Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. There's a standing invitation that Jesus has set out in Scripture, and it's this, come to the table. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what baggage you have. I don't care how broken you feel. I don't care what family you came from or what your biological family is. I don't care what, what battles you're in right now. Listen, there is a standing invitation just as you are. Romans 5, 8, it says, God so loved the world so much in this way, or, or God loved the world. Let me get this right. God loves us, even that, and yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm gonna preach every Bible verse at one time this morning. <laughs> while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. You know what he was saying is, is you matter. There's a seat at the table for you, even if the enemy's telling you there's not. And so no matter who you are, it's for you. And so today, uh, we're gonna walk through one more table. We've been through several tables in scripture, some Jesus was sitting at, some he told stories about. But today we're going back to a very, very famous psalm, the 23rd Psalm. And I'll throw this out there. Louis Giglio wrote a book called don't give the enemy a seat at your table. If you want some follow-up reading, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, kind of a different take on this. It's amazing. But I have no doubt some of, some of the thoughts that I read uh, several months ago probably influenced this specific message. But I want to give you the title of the message today. Sit down anyway. You ever had to just look at your kids before and say, sit down, and they didn't sit down? And you say, I'm going to tell you one more time. That's what my dad said anyway, boy. I'm going to tell you one more time. And you knew. Like you knew you were getting close to the line. Sit down anyway. I still believe there are some of God's people that are hearing the message, not even that you don't believe it, but you're still having a hard time. And so this is me in the loving way as a pastor coming alongside you and say, hey, sit down anyway. No matter if you feel like you can't, sit down anyway. And so I wanna unpack this as we walk through the 23rd Psalm. And here it is. Uh, my prayer this, this week, I wrote this down. My prayer today is that the Holy Spirit will revive the power of this word in our lives, that it will be more than just the psalm that we hear at a funeral, that it literally will bring new life to our hearts, and maybe you'll even hear the voice of Jesus calling you to the table. And let me talk a little bit about this psalm. There are two characters in the psalm. King David wrote this. It's really short, but King David wrote it. And so he wrote it as a, as a he was a shepherd himself, but he wrote it. Um, and kind of saying, God is the shepherd and I am the sheep. And so by implication then, God is the shepherd. Jesus said this in John. He said, I'm the good shepherd. And by implication, according to this psalm, we are the sheep. Now you're gonna see why that's important to understand as we roll through this, but here's where it starts. David says this, the Lord is my shepherd. He is my personal shepherd. He is the one that guides me. For those that surrendered our lives today, they were saying, you are Lord. What they're saying is, I'm willing to submit to you as shepherd, as boss of my life. And so David also, by implication, is owning the fact that I am a sheep. Now, what's the problem with that? Do you know what the problem or, or just the truth is? Maybe not even a problem, just the truth. Sheep are really dumb. He is God, we are sheep. Like David was just laying it out. I'm a sheep, you're a sheep, we're all sheep. You need to look at somebody and say, you're a sheep. And so... He disowns it. I'm a sheep. Sheep are dumb. Uh, I, I did some reading, and I, I've known this uh, for a while, but kind of reading again about sheep, they're so prone to wander off. Some of y'all are like that. You, you, you're not paying attention to where you're going. You just kind of keep wandering in that direction. You go, hey, come back. Sheep are like that. They get stuck in briar patches. Go and Google this. 
they're walking through and all of a sudden they have so much wool when they get heavy, especially before they're sheared, they get stuck in little briar patches and they just stand there and squirm. They won't go anywhere. You can go watch videos of this. They're scared of things that they really shouldn't be scared of. And then they're not scared of things that'll kill them. Like they're really that dumb. They are slow and so they're easy prey. They're, they have terrible eyesight and they often fall off, uh, get off balance. They have bad balance and fall on their backs. Now, let me show you a picture of this. Now, if your dog did this, you'd pet him on the belly, right? But whenever a sheep, like this is literally a rule. If you look uh, in, in New Amsterdam, I saw a law on the books. I don't know if it's legit or not, so don't hold me there, but I was reading. It says that if you see a neighbor's sheep on its back, you are obligated to go flip it over. And the reason is, once they get like this, they call it cast, they get on their back, they can't turn over again. And I thought, Lord, did you have to pick sheep to say that we're like the sheep? But then I thought, how many of us have been on our back before? And if not for Jesus coming along and flipping us over and setting us on our feet again, we wouldn't be able to go anywhere. Listen, that's a picture right there of sheep. They flip over and they fall over because of the weight of their wool and then they get stuck. And here's what David said, Lord, you're the shepherd, I'm the sheep. And here's what he said, I have all that I need. Now, you know what this is? There's the old way of saying it, I shall not want. It was both a decision and a declaration a decision that God, you give me all that I need. And also a declaration over his life. You give me all that I need. I'll need nothing else. I won't want anything that you don't want to give me. And here's what he says. He lets me rest in green meadows. Did you know that God wants you to rest? What if some of the anxiety and some of the pressure and some of the valleys we're walking through has to do with the simple fact that you're not resting? You have a God who loves you so much, he doesn't want you to just rest in heaven one day. He wants your body to get rest now. He wants you to be rested in him, at least your soul rest. And here's what he says. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And I told you sheep are scared of everything. They're scared of fast moving water. And so the shepherd would have to take them to a specific spot to where they could get clean water. He knows where the peaceful stream is. And here's what it says in verse three. He renews my strength. Another way to say that, he restores my soul. But if you look at the depth of, this, uh, of what's being said here in the original language, it goes back to the sheep being on its back because this language literally means to set on your feet again. He lets me rest. He leads me beside still waters. He renews my strength. So it's like when God comes alongside of us, when you feel like you're at rock bottom and he turns you on your feet again and you didn't even know you had the strength to get on your feet again. He turns you on your feet again and he says, I want you to walk again. I want you to run again. And here's what it says. He guides me along right paths. And we're talking about sitting at the, at the table, but it's important to note that the table doesn't mean that we're not moving in life. It just means that we're resting in the Lord as well. But he guides me along right paths. That means that you are taking next steps in your journey. And then why does he do that? It says to bring honor, glory to his name. Any success our shepherd gives us is for his glory. Now, here's where a couple verses where we're going to dig in today and talk about the table. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, say this word with me, walk. It's important that you remember this because a lot of times the devil will tell you that you are stuck in the dark valley, that you're stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. But here's what David said, even though I walk through the valley, I am moving on a journey. God is not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me in the valley. He's going to walk with me as I go. He says, 
Even though I'm walking through the valley, I will not be afraid. Now, why? It's this next line. Because you were close beside me. This is maybe one of the secrets, uh, the, the, the secrets of the entire, key to the entire message today to understanding this invitation. See, just like David, God will make us lie down in the pasture sometimes when we don't want to lay down and rest. He'll feed us sometimes when we don't even want to eat. He'll lead us beside still water. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. But let me give you this life-changing truth today. A lot of times people think, if I could just get out of the valley, then I'll find strength. But let's talk about where this table is set up. Here it is. Peace is not found in the absence of enemies. It's found in the presence of Jesus. Let me say that again this morning because you got to get it. Peace that you're looking for. If you're a follower of Jesus, the peace you're looking for won't be found when all your problems are solved. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet and you're just seeking it out today, listen, you cannot find that peace that your soul is longing for apart from getting in the presence of Jesus. It's not about getting your life together. I thought about King David. You may know a little bit about his story, but he walked through some dark valleys. Did you know that his brothers despised him? He's the youngest in the family. His best friend's dad, his best friend Jonathan, his dad was King Saul. He used him like a slave and then tried to kill him multiple times. God promised David when he was 15 years old that he was going to be king. You know how long he waited to fulfill that promise? 15 years. Because of David's own sin, he committed adultery and one of his children died because of that sin. His family late in life, his family betrayed him and tried to kill him late in life. The guy walked through some valleys, and yet here he is writing, said, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, my God is with me. I won't fear. God is with me. See, this is for somebody today. You think if I could get my act together, if I could get rid of this addiction, if I could get over the things that have broken me in my past, then, Joe, I'll finally come fully to the table but you got to understand, David, you don't get rid of the enemies. You don't get uh, out of the valley to find healing. Actually, you separate yourself from the healing God wants you to have right in the valley when you live that way. David teaches us that it's in the valley where the pain is and where the brokenness is. That's where you can find his presence. That's where you can find rest. Look what he goes on to say. It's in the valley. Now, it's important to remember, we're in the valley right now. He says, even though I'm walking through the valley. So in the valley, he says, your rod and staff, they protect and comfort me. So a shepherd would carry a stick. And there's, there's argument about exactly what it looked like. We usually think, you know, little Bo Peep and the sheep, a little curved stick. I don't know. I don't know what it was like if it was like that. But uh, others would argue that it was more of a club for like, you know, uh, warding off animals and correcting sheep, checking out their, uh, their wool to make sure they didn't have, they weren't infested with some sort of parasite or something. But either way, that rod and staff, he says, it's in that valley that rod and staff is what protects and comforts me. And then he says this, you prepare a feast for me. Literally, you put a feast before me. Now, this morning, I have Waffle House and you don't, so I apologize for the envy that's going on around the room. But he prepares a feast for me where? In the valley, in the presence of our enemies. And so assume that you're still in the darkness of depression and you're in the darkness of loneliness and you're in the darkness of God, what is my purpose right now? And you're in the darkness of just feeling defeated and you're in the darkness of not knowing what's next. You're in the dark right now in your life. That's what you feel anyway. Listen, it is there that God wants to set a table for you. That's the kind of God that he is. And he says this, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. So there's a table set 
And he says, you anoint my head with oil. Now I found this out about sheep. The anointing of oil for a sheep, it was medicine. There's a lot of stories that I've heard about this, but I've actually seen some of this when I was in uh, Peru for a while. There's shepherds there that drive these animals through the desert mountains, and you see you know, shepherds with massive uh, herds of sheep and goats, and they're kind of moving them around uh, out there. But you would see that a lot of them would have this shiny stuff on their head, and it was oil where they had been poured over them. And so even though this is symbolically spiritual for the sheep, it was just medicine. It actually kept parasites from like flies and other things from laying eggs in their skin or in their nose, literally kept it out of their face. I know that's a great picture when you got Waffle House on the, on the table here this morning. But this medicine was there and so I thought about it. You know what David I think was getting at? God poured the anointing of the spirit over his life. Poured the Holy Spirit out on him and he said, not only did he just give me enough, he said, my cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. He talks about God at this point. He is gonna decide to pursue me even when I'm in the valley. And sometimes, can we just be real this morning? God's ready to lead us out of the valley and we got so used to the valley, we don't wanna follow him. Let that sink in for a minute. Some of you, God is ready to lead you out of the dark valley, but you've gotten so used to your brokenness that you are not able to follow them. So here's my prayer today. Holy Spirit, wake somebody else up. Let them know that the goodness and unfailing love is still pursuing them right where they are. He says, it's gonna pursue me all the days of my life. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This is David just claiming that right now in this world, I'm in the house of the Lord because I'm in the presence of the Lord. And one day I'll be in heaven forever. I'll be in the presence of the Lord and so the table is set in the midst of the valley. Somebody needs to hear this. If you think you've got to get something to a better place before you truly fully surrender and sit down at the table with Jesus by faith, here's my message for you today. It's time for you to sit down anyway. I don't know who that's for, but it was for me at some time. Sit down anyway. It says that he prepared a table in the midst of the enemies. What, what were a sheep's enemies? Well, there were the obvious things like wolves, bears, foxes, snakes, poisonous weeds, because if you look it up, they'll eat anything. So the shepherd would have to go out and like make sure they didn't eat poison. They would drink stagnant water if they were thirsty, so the shepherd would have to make sure they didn't drink that. That was actually an, an enemy to them. And then there were other sheep sometimes. That's how church is. Sometimes you feel like other sheep are your worst enemies. That's a whole other message, but other sheep and then those pests. So if we were to translate this, though, here's where I want to spend the rest of our time today. If we were to translate this idea that the Lord has set a table for us in the midst of the valley, in the midst of our enemies, what would that look like and what would we gain from it if we sat at it? I wanna give you five what I call valleys or enemies. You can translate it either way. And also I wanna show you what Jesus has to serve up to you if you'll come and sit. Here's the first one. In the midst of spiritual war, because I have no doubt, spiritual war is definitely a dark valley. In the midst of war, we can find refuge at the table. Did you know that just by being alive in this world that you are in a spiritual battle unseen? He hates you. Your enemy hates you. He hates it when you succeed. He hates it when God's kingdom advances through your life and when you begin to take the next step of obedience. He hates it. There's two verses that I want to show you to point out like Satan's kind of schemes and what his kind of characterizes Satan and the enemy that we can't see with our eyes. Here's what Peter said. He said, we have to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. See the respect level there for this unseen enemy? 
This enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Jesus invites you. He wants to pull out a chair and say, hey, in the midst of the war that you're in, if you'll come sit down with me, I'll give you, I'll serve you up some refuge. I'll put that on your plate. Now, it may not look like a waffle, but that'd be pretty good. Here you go. Here's you some refuge. Do you know what refuge can do for a person's heart? When you feel so spiritually attacked, Jesus talked about Satan in John 10. Look at this. He said the thief, and he's referring to Satan if you read the passage. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And so literally Jesus is saying the enemy, he doesn't want to feed you. He doesn't want to help you. He doesn't want to heal you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Can I give you the most disheartening truth about this valley of spiritual war? You can't win on your own. I watch people get taken out constantly because they refuse to acknowledge the awareness that we are in a spiritual battle. I do believe sometimes that we blame Satan for things that Satan didn't do because we have a sin nature. We tend to want to blame everything on the devil. But the truth is, there's a balance somewhere. We do have an enemy who hates us. He's not all-knowing. He can't see everything at once. But he is, an inf- he is a powerful being, though not infinitely powerful. He is a created being, but he has one goal, destroy you, take you out, not invite you in, even if it's enticing. Listen, he'll pull out a chair for you, but it won't be at the table of the Lord. He'll say, sit down right here, and he'll make all these false promises. And at that moment, he'll still kill and destroy. But then you have a Savior in the midst of the battle that we live in. He pulls out a chair and says, if you'll sit down, I'll serve you up some refuge. In fact, there's so many of the rest of the Psalms. I'd encourage you to read after Psalm 23. Read the rest of the Psalms. Like the next 20 Psalms, most of them have this theme of that God is my refuge and my strength. Even in the middle of my brokenness, in the middle of my valleys, he is there. We cannot face this enemy on our own, though. You have to sit down. So if you feel like you've been under spiritual attack, what do you do? you got to decide, I'm going to come and sit at the table of Jesus. I'm going to open his word. I'm going to let it speak to my heart. I'm going to get with a trusted friend and let him pray for me. I'm going to stay leaned in to Christian community because we need, listen, what's going on around us right now? We need this. We need our groups that are going on. We need Christian community. We need cups of coffee with friends to talk about what's happening in our hearts. We need to go hang out with the guys. I'm talking guys that will point you to Christ and help you uh, uh, live your life molded around what he has for you. But when your soul is under attack, there is always a table set for you. You just got to decide if you want to sit down at it. See, there's another truth for us here. When we're in the valley surrounded by the enemy and what I'll call it is sin, when you're in the dark valley of sin, here's the thing, we can find freedom at the table. Jesus wants to serve up freedom. Now, the devil doesn't want you to know this, but when you find yourself, let's just say you are a follower of Christ, but you find yourself struggling with sin. And one of the thoughts that he almost plants in your mind, your enemy does is, well, listen, if you really got it, you wouldn't still be struggling with porn. If you really got it, you wouldn't still be struggling with faithfulness. If you really got it, then you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't really still be struggling with that addiction. That's what the enemy will come and tell you. And you know what that does? It makes you lean away from Jesus in the darkest of those moments of our sin. See, Jesus paid for our sin, but we still have a body that loves to sin. We have a spirit that wants to live new life inside of us because of Christ. We got a body, a flesh that loves sin. And so in the midst of sin, as soon as you find yourself wrestling, even when you fail, do you know what the best thing to do is? 
It's counterintuitive. It's to come back to the table of the Lord and sit down again. Somehow in our minds, as soon as we fall back into some kind of sin, or even when we mess up with our language, or we fall back into our old ways, the enemy will say, listen, there's no chair for you anymore, big boy. You blew it. But you know the only way you'll ever find soul restoration is to come back to him, and yes, you feel ashamed. You walk into church, you walk back into church when you've really blown it or been out a while, and you're hanging your head. Now, nobody else knows this, but you automatically judge yourself that there's a chair pulled out and he wants you to sit, and you don't even feel worthy of it. But you know what he'll remind you of? Listen, my cross, where I bought you, my blood bought you. And as I bought you, listen, I wanna serve you up some freedom again. I want, I want, you, to be, I want you to know that, that you are loved again. I set it on the table before you. Now, we talked about it when I preached this message Wednesday for our staff. One of the questions that came up were, do you think people may feel like it's a license to sin if you say that even when you're sinning, just come back to Jesus? Well, let me tell you why I don't. Romans says this, that the kindness of the Lord draws us to repentance. Now, check this. When you come to the table of Jesus, you never feel empowered to sin. You feel drawn to righteousness. That's why I don't have to fear as a pastor. When you come and you sit at the table and you get back in his word and you lean back into Christian community and maybe you just need to be honest with somebody about your struggles. You don't have to stand on the platform. God makes me tell you guys some of the things that I wrestle with, but you don't have to tell everybody, but sometimes you just need some, you need somebody that you can go to in Jesus' name that loves you and you know is of the word and filled with the spirit and tell them, hey man, I'm wrestling and I need help. And when you do that, you know what happens? The enemy hates it because he begins to lose grip in your mind and in your heart. And you start finding freedom again in the Lord. But the crazy thing is, the more you sit at the table, the less you want to live in that lifestyle. And it, over time, it gets stronger. You get stronger and stronger as you sit in the table, at the table with him. In the middle of our sin, we find freedom. You just have to heed the invitation. I know this is for somebody but even after you've given your life to Jesus, what you feel like 10 times, the enemy will tell you, hey, it's, you may as well walk away for a while. I'll tell you this, I've had to give my life to the Lord probably thousands of times in my life. And I'm not talking about getting saved. I don't believe you can lose your salvation scripturally. Uh, Jesus saves you and he won't lose you. But what we feel like is though, when we blow it, we feel like we're far from God again and you know, I gotta get saved again. Well, listen, God's okay if you feel that way. You need to work out your, your biblical doctrine so that eventually you can work that out of your life and go, listen, I'm not lost. I just need to repent and turn back to the Lord. But you gotta heed the invitation to come back to him. I have no doubt in a room this size, there's probably somebody here and you almost didn't come today because you've been wrestling with something this week. Something that's embarrassing, and something that if I knew about it, you'd go, man, I could never show my face in here. I, I, I want you to think better of me. Listen, you don't have to tell me, but I'm glad you came today. You didn't let the enemy stop you because in a way, this is coming and sitting at the table. I learned long ago, I learned this lesson long ago as I wrestled, and I've shared some of my story, but wrestling through my teenage years and 20s with pornography as a child of God, I mean wrestling with it. Draw me back in, trying to live a holy life. Draw me back in, trying to live a holy life. I leaned away from the table for about four or five years in that season. And it was, it, it was painful. Everybody else thought I was good because we can put on a show. We learn how to do that. But internally, I'd stop sitting at the table and growing in my knowledge and letting Jesus bring that healing. But as I fought through that, I realized that coming to my knees was the best place I could be when I found myself struggling let me give you another truth, another valley, another, 
attack that we face in the midst of suffering, we find strength at his table. As a pastor, I'd, I will say it's a privilege, but it's also, it's painful because I get to see families and what they're going through. And there's so many families hurting. There's so many people hurting in our, in our world. In this church, there are a lot of you guys that are just, you're hurting. There's cancer diagnosis in the room this morning. You're walking through that right now. There's people in the middle of chemo. There's people in the middle of no treatment right now because they say there's nothing we can do. There's people who've lost kids. There's people who's lost spouses. There's people who knows that day's coming. There is so much suffering in this world. Sometimes I, I get frustrated as a pastor because I'm like, God, why don't you give me more power to do something now? I just want to offer healing now. And the Lord keeps reminding me, ultimately, we will find healing. But here's what he promises us. In the dark valley of suffering, and if you're in that this morning, I can't promise you that sitting at the table is going to heal all the problems of your life. But here's what I can say. You have a God that will heal you. And it may be first that he heals you with his peace that floods over you. He may heal you by giving you the strength to carry on. And also he may physically, there's stories in the room as well where people have physically walked away from a prayer, walked away from a moment of anointing healed because God had more purpose in this life. But when you're suffering, sometimes you get so down and so weak, you lean away from God and his word and you lean away from your prayer time and you lean away. I just wanna encourage you. I'm not judging you if, you if you're there. I'm not trying to judge. I'm just saying, can I encourage you? Lean, lean, come back to the table, even when it hurts. If you got a friend or family member that you love and you know they've leaned away from the Lord because of suffering, maybe God put you in their path to be the chair puller, to just keep pulling the chair and saying, hey, I, I know you're hurting and you may not want it right now, but I'm just gonna keep on pulling the chair out at my table for you because I wanna get you back to the Lord's table. Like you don't, you don't need to turn away from him forever. He loves you and I know you're suffering. See, the promise of Psalm 23 reminds us that in the suffering, he will walk us through that valley. This is for somebody today that you're in a valley. God wants you to know, like according to this scripture, it will pass. He's gonna walk you through it. Let me give you the fourth one here. There's another valley, an enemy we all faced. In the midst of self versus self battles, we find healing at the table. I wish I had so much time to unpack this this morning. But do you know what self versus self battles are? In a lot of ways, it's mental health. You could say that it's Satan and sin and suffering all coming at you at once, but if you've wrestled with anxiety, if you wrestle with depression or loneliness, if you wrestle with inner brokenness because of what's happened to you, if you have PTSD because of what's gone on in your life and what you've been through, if you've lost your identity because you feel like you've just been bombarded in the mind, it's mine. And listen, I know what neuroscience says. I understand enough on it. Enough as a country boy from a farm in Coward County can understand. I know there's neuropathways and I know there's chemical imbalance, but I also know that there's an enemy who loves to capitalize on any mental brokenness he can find. So I just want you to know there's always a seat at the table of the Lord when you're wrestling with mental battles. 
when it's you versus you, because you know that anxiety, I mean, there are outside sources, but a lot of times in the dark of the night, when it hits you, what does it feel like? You versus you. You got a war inside of you. God sent me through a short season and where it was so, where my anxiety was so bad, he taught me something I never had. It was last year, 20, 2021, the worst I've ever had. And, and I learned, literally I'd be in bed at night and this is, this is crazy. You think, not you, Joe, but yeah, I'd start weeping and it was uncontrollable. And Courtney's scared to death, like what's wrong with you? And I'm going, I don't know. I don't know, it's so bad. And I would find myself literally roll out of the bed and just be on the floor and just like, God, if you, where are you, Lord? I don't feel you, I don't sense you. I'm supposed to go preach on Sunday. I gotta pastor a church, Lord. And you know what the Lord showed me? <laughs> he would have me right where I wanted me because after some praying and Courtney would pray with me and other people would pray and I'd just begin to just sit in the Lord's presence, sit at his table and guess what would happen? Over time, peace would come enough to go back to sleep. And then it would hit me again and it didn't go away for days. And still to this day, every now and then, I still, for some reason, I can't explain to you why. I've been to counselors, talked to friends, talked to mentors, but there's something that just attacks you. And the best thing you can do is just see this picture of Jesus going, hey, don't you run from me when you're feeling like that. You're not so messed up that you can't be healed. Let me pull out the chair for you so you can come and sit in it. I'm not too afraid to say that this valley, this dark valley is one that our world is plagued with today. I just saw a statistic that says the highest number of suicides in our country are among 20 year olds, 20 something year olds. I wanna look at you no matter what age you are, but if you're a young person and you feel so attacked and so overwhelmed, listen, reach out to somebody. Sometimes we have to be good friends during this season. There's no, when you know a friend is wrestling with mental battles, don't be that weird person that acts all weird and makes it awkward. You pull out a chair, you love them as much as you can. And I'd encourage you, if that's you, you need to lean back into the Lord, lean back into somebody that loves you. Everything in you, all your intuition will say, run and hide and isolate. But the Lord says, in that valley, in that valley, I'm here to help you find healing. Here's the last one this morning. In the midst of the struggles of daily life, we find his presence. Just by waking up every day, even when it's not a mental, even when you don't have you know, mental health challenges, even when you don't have suffering, even when you don't feel like you're under spiritual attack, sometimes just when you wake up, you ever just wake up with a bad attitude and you don't know why? You ever just wake up and it shouldn't be a bad day, but it is? It's just the brokenness of our world. There's just no answer for it. You wake up though in daily life, you, you wake up in the struggles of daily life in the midst, the Lord has pulled out a chair for you and says, hey, you need to start your day with me. Or even if you get to lunch and you realize, you know what, I haven't really been with Jesus at the table, I need to go. Jesus, I need some waffles and chicken hash browns. I need you, Lord. <laughs> I need to sit in your presence for a minute. We must have learned to sit at his table. Do you know why? It's his presence. Why pray? Why set aside time to read the word? Why set aside time to, to use your gifts to serve? And by the way, that's a way of worship. Why raise your hands? Some of y'all need to get freed up in worship. We're not there yet. You're still scared to death to worship Jesus. We're gonna get there. Listen, that's okay on your journey. We gotta get freed up to worship the Lord as we sing to him and as we serve him, realize that, man, it's the overflow of the heart to fast and pray. I mean, I got food on the table now, but man, you ever wanna seek the Lord? Push aside food and push aside other things. Seek him for a season. 
fasting and praying, consistent, consistent gathering with other believers to worship and grow. All sitting at the table, pulling up a chair. That's what our small groups are. But let me wrap this up today back with the truth that we started. Listen, peace is not found in the absence of enemies. It's found in the presence of Jesus. See, I have no doubt there's some of you, and even though you've been hearing these messages about come to the table, the truth is you think that you need to get out of all your troubles and then you can come to Christ. You need to get free of this addiction that's been holding you captive, free of the pornography that keeps dragging you back in, free of the cheating and the lying, and free of, free of the mental health battles that you've been in. You feel like, I've got to get myself straightened out, Joe. Then I, maybe I can come eat at this feast of Jesus' table, but I can't right now. But listen, let's go back to this truth. Peace is not found in the absence of enemies. It's found in his presence. And so actually, when we say, I refuse to come to the table until I get my life together, we're, we're actually setting ourselves up to never find peace. If you'll just get in his presence, if you'll just get in his presence, there's a line. I like this because it's almost like we need to hear the Lord speak this over our lives today. Look at this. It says this, you need to hear Jesus say to you today, and I want you to put your name in that blank for me, Joe, sit down anyway. I know you're wrestling. I know you're struggling. I know you may not even have a heart for me right now. You may not even desire me right now, but, but sit down anyway. And so sometimes you just gotta hear that be said. Hear Jesus say this to you, Kim and Mary and Ricky and Danny, come and sit down anyway. Chris, sit down anyway, right where you are. God is calling somebody I have no doubt today and he's saying, hey, come to me. Don't, no more excuses. No more pushing back because you're wrestling. Come to Jesus. It's time to come to Jesus. Look at this verse. This verse will change your life if you'll let it. It's truth will. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's God's invitation to you to come on. Sit down in the chair this morning and taste and see that Jesus is good. Just try it. You go, Joe, I'm wrestling with my identity. I'm wrestling with who I am. I'm wrestling with what I should do with my life. I'm wrestling with, will I ever have peace from this, this mental battle that's plaguing me? Here's the thing, I know a God who can. And the invitation is, listen, I can't heal you and I can't make empty promises to you, but I can tell you, if you'll come by faith and sit at the table of Jesus, what does it mean? Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Even when you're still in the valley, come and take refuge in him. Taste and see that he's good. Fear the Lord. Why does it say that? Because when you move your fear from fearing everything else and shift it to the Lord and say, God, I will only reverently fear you and nothing else. Fear the Lord for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. How do you come to the table today? It's by faith. And so here's the invitation to you. Come to the table, sit down anyway. Maybe you wanna lift up a prayer from your heart to the heart of Jesus today and surrender your life. And I wanna lead you in this and you can just pray after me right where you are. Just say, Jesus, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of wrestling on my own. I'm tired of babbling on my own. I'm tired of being in the valley on my own. Just tell him whatever your struggle is. And here's the thing, say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you now. I'm coming to your table.
Or maybe if you're already a follower of Jesus and this is you coming back to the table, just tell them that I'm coming back to the table today, Lord. I repent from my past and my sin and I turn to you. Tell him. And I'm ready to follow you and make you Lord. And listen, if by faith you are saying that prayer today, it's just like you coming to the table of Jesus and sitting down and tasting his salvation and his restoration today. And we want to celebrate with you as a church. And so don't keep it to yourself if you just surrendered your life to Christ. If you need somebody to help you get back to the table of church, then I want to invite you. Reach out. Let us know unashamedly right now in the chat or send us a message or drop us an email and say, hey, that was me. That was me. I was watching and, and I'm ready to come to the table and we're going to help you take the next steps to get growing and going again in your faith journey. You just know this. You are never too far gone that the table of Jesus is not open for you. There's a church that loves you. You matter and you know that. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.